Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris of LSOs on social media. Welcome back to So Over 50 podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. So Organized Style podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining us on So Over 50 podcast as we focus on mending. So Over 50 intersects with all communities. Before we get started, thank you to our new patron, Winifred, for supporting the podcast this month. I really appreciate your helping us out with keeping this podcast going. Sarah of Patton Union is a big supporter of the So Over 50 community. Today, she's here to talk about her journey into visible mending. Sarah, thank you for coming back to So Organised Style for So Over 50 today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. It's good to be able to catch up after all of this time where we've both been in states that have had lockdowns and social isolation, etc. Yes, it is. It's um, been an interesting time. So now that we're in a new year, let's see how it pans out, right? We don't want to upset the apple cart and all sorts of things might happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sarah, how did the development of Patent Union Patents go last year for you? It was an interesting time for me because I brought out two patterns at the end of 2020. One of them was the Felix jacket and the other was the Hannah Collotz. And then as we came into 2021, I just felt very conscious of waste in the world and even with producing patterns, I have to go through a lot of sampling to get to a point where I'm happy with the pattern and I know that it's going to sell well. So I kind of felt saturated by that. And I produced then the Edith Smock, which was a zero waste pattern. Yeah. Kind of as a reaction to all of that mass production, because when you sew for yourself, you're making a thing that you know is going to be great. But when you're producing these patterns, suddenly you have so much stuff. And I, I felt quite bad about it, I suppose. Yeah, my, the amount of waste that suddenly I was producing. The Edith smock was quite pretty and quite adaptable and I know a lot of people have taken it on. Going down that path of trying a zero waste pattern, what was that like for you? That was really challenging because grading a pattern that is zero waste is really hard. Mm -hmm. But part of what I wanted to produce was that not just that it was zero waste, but that it was going to have slow techniques in it. So I introduced smocking and embroidery so that it would have the sense of being an heirloom piece as well, something that you would want to keep and maintain. And from there, I started really exploring more hand stitching and slow sewing. And part of going down the path of slow stitching and making clothes that last, were there any other actions that you took because you were feeling like you were producing more than you were comfortable with? Yes, so it's interesting you say that. So I did a big clean out and I took a lot of stuff to the op shop, which included some scraps of fabric because I just have far too much in my studio and I was feeling quite overwhelmed by it. So I went down to the op shop and there was the, the person there collecting everything and she gave me a huge smile and sort of took my bags and she looked into one of them and saw all the scraps of fabric which I had brought along because I thought some of them were really beautiful bits of silk and quite precious and beautiful, but I just didn't have space for them. Anyway, her face just dropped and she looked at me and 
put the bag straight in the bin and I was mortified. <laughs> but I thought, oh gosh, this is really quite confronting that even at that level of recycling, we don't value these things. Did you end up taking the bag back? What happened? I just got in my car and left. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> but it really got me thinking and I thought, well, maybe I don't throw these things away. Maybe I am going mm -hmm. to focus on that more. And I had been fortunate enough to go travelling before COVID hit and I'd been to Japan and seen an exhibition of vintage kimonos and the borrow style but with sashiko stitching. And I right. thought, gosh, this is so beautiful the way they have been treasured and nurtured and these little scraps of fabric which have histories and stories sewn back into the garment and then the garment evolves and there is such value in it and I thought well I need to explore this myself so I started thinking about not only the borrow fabrics but also the cantha fabrics that are made in India where they are hand stitched just a simple running stitch and I thought really that lends itself so well with my Felix jacket and I can actually build that into my clothing of taking this slow approach. And did you take any more steps from that? Because it sounds like, you know, you've been going through this one step at a time. Yes, it's been quite a process of slowing it down. And so I started looking at visible mending. Mm -hmm. I actually ran a course with Sue Stoney, who came along as my lovely assistant. And I was showing people how they can take their existing clothes and either alter them or mend them with different techniques that actually are very conscious in the way that you approach it. So rather than trying to be invisible, which can be challenging for people because that requires a lot of technical skill that they may not have the time to learn, to actually yeah. be visible about it and make a statement and say, hey, this isn't a hole, this is a beautiful mark on, on my fabric that I'm going to actually draw attention to. And knowing Sue, the lovely Sue Stoney, was she able to also help you and the class that you were in to use local resources to help visibly mend garments, yeah? So that was actually a big part of it for me because I, I supplied the materials for students to mend things. So I had to kind of guess what they would want to do. But I didn't want to buy anything new. So I had either scraps of fabric, so no more to the op shop. I kept them all to use with students. And I went to op shops and I bought things like embroidery threads or, you know, those old tapestries that can be kind of a little bit naff, but actually they have beautiful pure wool and they're perfect for just doing little weavings on jumpers. Mm -hmm. And the colour range is huge, better than you could buy in any regular shop. Yeah, it was a really nice process and showing people that actually think outside the box and you can have access to these amazing materials. Sarah, what feedback did you get from the participants at the workshop? It was really great because the, these were people who had pretty much no sewing skills, most of them, and for some of them even a low self-esteem about what they would be able to do. And by the end of it, they were all over the moon. You know, the class only went for, I think, two and a half hours. So it wasn't very long to demonstrate a variety of techniques and things, but using things like the weaving or sashiko stitching or patching clothes very quickly, they all left with these sort of beautiful pieces. And will you be running the workshops again? Um, I don't know. I did really enjoy it, but I've sort of have cut back on my teaching a lot. Mm -hmm sort of just trying to focus on other areas and yeah really slowing everything down it feels kind of ironic the whole point of having um making patterns for people to sew is that it is about slow fashion 
but yeah, the actual process of doing that has been using too much of the world's and resources, I feel. But it sounds like you're now taking the time to make sure that you're creating pieces that last a long time. Yes, yes, it's true. I, I am being very mindful about that. Even when I did the Cora blouse, having the entredeur stitching in it and those kinds of things, it's about showing one pattern can be more than just one style if you you can bring in these sort of other things and i think the more you do in sewing the more you value what you have made and also then you value what you can buy as well because you look at it and think gosh i did that myself i know how long that took i'm going to really look after that i don't want to talk about sue too much i suppose but she is a source of inspiration she is (laughs) but you know when she came she had seen a design that she wanted to make And so she'd found a commercial pattern outfit that she wanted to adapt using either her blocks or my patterns. And one of them was uh, a little top. So in fact, we used the Felix jacket as a base for it and redid it. And it looked brilliant. I was so excited by the end of the day because we'd produce the whole outfit. So you might have actually seen Sue's post, but she had made this little top out of a scarf, a check scarf, had fringing on it. And she brought it along. She's like, "What, what can we do with this? And I was like, well, that would be brilliant in this new pattern that we've made too. It wasn't a new pattern. It was an adaption of the Felix jacket. Yep. It just worked so well. It looked great. But so she'd taken a scarf that she wouldn't wear and now she's made a top that she will live in. So maybe something along those lines about, because scarves can be so beautiful. Yep. Scarves and sarongs. Yeah. Because initially Sue was like, well, maybe we should look at making it zero waste because I don't want to, you know, because she's very mindful about those things. But actually, when we put the pieces on there, there were almost no scraps. So in fact, it ended up really valuing the cloth. And the tassels of the scarf are along the hem, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So perfect. (laughs) Helen, she's been friends with her for so many years that it's really great that she's now able to wear that scarf that Helen gave her. That's right. And, And even though it's not zero waste, it is minimal waste, which is... Honours the gift, I think. Honours the gift and honours the fabric. Yes. Yep. Great. How do you think you're going to develop visible mending skills for yourself and using what you've got more in 2022? Well, that's an interesting question because I actually bought a pair of jeans, which is the first time in maybe 10 years, but they were made by a friend who has a fashion label and they were beautiful. So I thought, why not? I'm going to give myself the freedom to actually buy a piece of clothing. Mm-hmm. But they had a deliberate distressed hole in them. And as a person who makes my own jeans, I know how much work goes into them. And the idea of distressing something that you've spent so long sewing is just sort of actually horrific to me. <laughs> so I actually did a visible mending on the jeans just so that I could feel comfortable with how they looked. I guess that means that I'm just really going to look at what I have, how I can adapt it or remake it or, you know, continue the life cycle of it. So whether that's taking something like a scarf and turning that into, say, a top or a dress or something, those will be the processes. and, And, you know, if they have holes in them, well, I will mend them so that they look like beautiful objects of art, really. (laughs) That's great. Sarah, thank you for coming back onto the podcast to talk about your visible mending journey. We know you from Pattern Union Patterns. 
you've been quite open and honest about your journey from what you've been developing so far that we know you for so well, and now that you're going down the visible mending path for 2022. That's really nice because I may come back to the the passions. I probably will, but I just really do need to have a hiatus. And I think it is actually that saturation of just the constant production of clothing that just has left me feeling a little raw. (laughs) It's good that you're giving yourself time to step back from that, put all that information that you are now aware of into something that you can actually live with and feel comfortable about. Yeah, thank you for saying that. That's, yeah, because I have felt kind of guilty over the past year for not churning things out. But, yeah, I just, it makes me feel actually physically ill, the thought of it. Yeah, so hopefully 2022 is more of a freeing year for you than 2021 was. (laughs) Hopefully for everyone. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Thanks again, Sarah. Oh, thank you. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode for So Over 50 Podcast on So Organised Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Sarah, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review, and we hope you'll support us through our Patreon account to keep this podcast running. Make sure you go back and listen to the free library of So Over 50 Podcasts we've now published. There are over 290 free podcasts to listen to and we hope that they keep you company and motivate you to sew more often. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at SewOrganizedStyle or on our website at www.SewOrganizedStylePodcast.com or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.